Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. You can find the show at Championship Pod on Twitter. I'm Lewis Shackshaft. I'm here today with Jake Jackman, who is going to talk us through his big wins and surprises from the Championship's uh, weekend games, if you don't mind, Jake. Yeah, so um, if we go back to the weekend, um, obviously a lot of a lot of big games. Um, I'm, um, I thought the was it Preston? Preston, um, Preston losing to um, Luton, wasn't it? I thought that was quite a big surprise. Yeah. Um, because I thought thought after the midweek victory for Preston, I thought they were really impressive in that game uh, against Middlesbrough. I thought they were going to really kick on. But, um, you yeah, know, they, they went away to Luton and, and they were convincingly beaten. And I thought that Luton on the day were were, were good value for the, for the win. And, and could have maybe even scored more than the three that they did manage in it. And I think it marked yeah. Nathan Jones getting 50 wins from 100 matches. So um, as Luton manager, so it's a really good record. Even though a lot of those would lower down the divisions, he's really um, kicked on in the championship. And you, you only have to look mm. at the table now, and they're up in 12th position. You would, if you would have predicted Luton to be up there at this point in the season. So yeah, it was a really good result. That that one stood out. Um, thought um, Norwich beating Blackburn that was another noticeable result. Um, because um, I thought Blackburn and Binks, yeah, they would get a lot of this kind of little goal. We talk about Adam Armstrong a lot, but Norwich and still with a couple of missing players managed to get a, a good win there. And they're the sort of wins that we, we came used to in their promotion season. So um, that was one that caught the eye. Um, and there's, there's a few more, uh, including like the, the South Wales derby, but I'll maybe let you talk about that one. Yeah, certainly. I think, you know, we've got to look at Swansea this season. Their 2-0 win at Cardiff was a huge win and they're kind of um, going under the radar a little bit, aren't they? Sat in fourth and on the tails of the top two, um, if you like. So I think, yeah, Swansea's victory there just yeah confirms that they are going to be right up there again this season and, and certainly playoff contenders. Not sure if they've got quite enough to get in that top two, but Certainly surprising me again this season. I thought that they might have dropped off. So, yeah, that was a huge win. Uh, a couple more for me. I think Rotherham's 2-0 win against Bristol City will, you know, do their confidence a world of good beating a team like Bristol City who have been uh, good all season. Uh, I know they're currently sat in eighth, but obviously Rotherham now, you know, hovering above the relegation zone, that was a, a huge win for them. Also keeping that clean sheet. Uh, down there again also, I think Coventry's 2-1 win at Wickham will do them the world of good, uh, especially an away win. It kind of keeps Wickham cemented in that relegation zone, unfortunately. Uh, I think most people want Wickham to do quite well, and, and they are playing good football at times as well. But, um, you know, Coventry's win now, that puts them into uh, 18th position. And then the other one, you know, it's probably no surprise, but a 5-0 win for Bournemouth. Um against Huddersfield 
confirms, you know, Bournemouth, again, steady in that top two, um, pushing on and on and really, really doing well so far. Uh, but yeah, that takes us into standout players from these sets of games and, and from the weekend, Jake. So um, do you want to just touch on, it, touch on any of those? Yeah, so I think the obvious one would be uh, Dominic Solanke from the weekend. He got a hat-trick. He was very good in front of goal. Um, he definitely seems to be a, a player that's benefiting from uh, um, playing in the Championship after so long in the Premier League. He was a little bit, um, I guess you could say, um, he was a bit of a joke figure in the Premier League. People thought he, he was a bit of a waste of money. He didn't score um, many goals at all. I think he got a couple late on in their relegation season, but that was first goals for Bournemouth but he's really kicked on this year and he looks like a genuine contender uh, for the golden boot he might uh, um, he, he might um, be yeah, go on and challenge with uh, Ivan Tony and uh, Adam Armstrong so that's, that's um, something to keep an eye on um, but yeah a few other players as well I thought Harvey Elliott was good for Blackburn against Norwich and James Collins as well you got, I think it was his um, got a hat-trick as well and he's he's a player that's uh yeah he's definitely come up through the leagues and and made an impact at every level and and now seems to be uh, a championship player in his own right so yeah they're the three that caught the eye for me yeah it's definitely a weekend where you're picking out players who scored all the goals um i know you've mentioned a few there but like like me I, i'd like to add Solanke got two goals and an assist um so a, a great performance by him in that 5-0 victory um you know, we, we've mentioned Pukki already, but his brace, he's he's going to be right up there. You, you know, you, we've already mentioned this, but Pukki's probably going to be, you know, in, in that top three goal scorers this season with probably the likes of Ivan Tony, um, Adam Armstrong also. Um, and then Duncan Watmore, you know, he's, he's, he's finding his feet, isn't he, at Middlesbrough? Um, didn't seem to score for ages during his career. Uh, but then again, he managed to get a brace uh, for Borough in um, in their win at the weekend in that 3-0 win over Millwall. Uh, you've already mentioned Collins with the hat-trick. Uh, Liam Kelly got two goals for Coventry in, in their win, like I mentioned earlier, against Wickham. Um, I think you've got to hand this, you know, standout player to uh, probably Collins, though. Uh, like you mentioned, getting the hat-trick for Luton. That was just a huge win for them, wasn't it, against Preston? We know that Preston are struggling this season for whatever reason by their standards. They've lost 10 games now. Uh, but yeah, for Collins to uh, grab that hat-trick, he seems to be firing on all cylinders under Nathan Jones, as, as you've mentioned. So uh, yeah, certainly a, a great a great weekend for the goal scorers. Um as we record on the Wednesday, though, Jake, uh, I'm just going to touch on the results from uh, Tuesday night's fixtures. Uh, so I'll just run through them quickly and see if you want to pick out any games that stood out for you for whatever reason. So QPR drew 0-0 with Stoke. Barnsley got a 2-1 home win against Preston, who've obviously lost again there. Uh, Bournemouth got a 1-0 win against Wickham, even though Wickham were unlucky, played some decent football at times, uh, but ended up having a man sent off. Uh, Bristol City lost 2-0 at home to Millwall, uh, so a huge win for Millwall on the road there. Forrest down at the bottom got a 2-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday, and Wednesday continued to slump, and it gets very much worse for them. That's four losses on the bounce. And then the big game at the top was uh, Watford and Brentford, which you know I, I probably couldn't have called beforehand, but that finished 1-1, uh, courtesy of a penalty for both sides. So is there any 
fixture or you know team you'd like to pick out from there what you know was a big win or, or a surprise in, in those games yeah so I think I think maybe it's worth talking about the um, Nottingham Forest uh, Wednesday game because I think I've seen stat that Tony Pulis has had the worst start of any Wednesday manager so I don't know what your thoughts on with that yeah. on that game and it seems strange that Hewton and Pulis two managers that we've spoken up as guarantees have been far from that since they've taken their uh, respective jobs mm. Yeah, for me, obviously, when we discussed Tony Pulis coming in about a month ago on this uh, on this show, um, you know, I always favoured Paul Cook and, and Nigel Pearson. And the reason was because I think when you are down in that bottom three and, you know, in a position where Wednesday are right at the bottom, currently on and nine points and, you know, had six points deducted this season, what was initially 12, I think, you know, you've got to kind of go at it in this league and, and play attacking football uh, to get out of that bottom three. And I know we're capable of it. Um, you know, we've always said on this podcast, you're better off winning one and losing one than you are, you know, picking up a couple of draws and losing one. You, you know, it's, we, we've always said that it kind of you win two, three on the bounce and you can push right up in that table. And, and that's what Wednesday need at the minute. They need a couple of wins and that would see them, you know, just climb above Derby, um, who are 22nd. But, you know, it, it, I just can't believe that since Tony Poulis has come in, eight games now, three draws, five losses. And, yeah, um, I tweeted it myself. It's the worst start to uh, a Sheffield Wednesday manager's career ever. Um, and it's no surprise, three points out of a possible um, 24 uh, is really disappointing. The issue that I've got now with Poulis, you know, it, it wasn't him coming coming in and arriving. I understood from a chairman's perspective, I really thought that Tony Poulis was a safe bet, you know, um, coming to the club. And I thought even though, you know, we'd be compact, we'd grind out maybe a couple of draws and the odd 1-0 win here and there. It's simply not happening. And I don't know if it's because... Um, Poulis hasn't adjusted to the players that he's got on hand yet. He said that the you know uh, team's really disjointed, which it is. We haven't got a natural left back. Um, you know he's, he's playing some players out of position. Van Aken being one. Um, you know I'd like to see him revert to a a five three two so that we can play three central defenders and use wing backs um and, and really attack teams and try and at least win games rather than keeping a clean sheet and keeping it tight and and picking up the odd point but that's just simply not good enough and, and like we say eight games without a win now is is just well it's it's diabolical it's it's relegation form isn't it so yeah going back to the game against Forest um it wasn't quite as bad as it has been, you know, the, the, the Wickham loss uh, was really disappointing. The Huddersfield loss was really disappointing. That You know, they seem to not, don't know what to do when they get in that final third. I think against Forest, though, Wednesday had a lot of possession. Uh, they kept the ball well and they played some decent football at times. They're just not conjuring up any chances whatsoever. And that's where the concern lies. I really don't know, other than Windass, who's not a natural goal scorer anyway. Um, where the goals are going to come from. Um, he's the only player that looks like scoring. And, and beyond him, I'm, I'm really wondering, like like I say, how, how we're going to get out of this bottom three. Uh, we've scored 
only 10 goals in, in 19 games. So what's your thoughts on it, Jake? How do you, how do you see it from a neutral's perspective? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bad situation for, for Pulis, really. I thought that they would have got a few more points. Um, the deduction hasn't helped, but it's only six points now. Even if they had those six points, they'd be in the relegation zone. So we, we can't keep pointing back to these points like, um, like yep. the, in, in a way that Sheffield Wednesday aren't a bottom three team because they are. Um, so there have been some tough fixtures. Um, the one going away to Forest last night, is a, although it looked like a winnable one on paper against the team down there with you, it, it was a tough one because they're probably thinking the same thing. And um, Hewitt's had a little bit longer to um, to work with the players than Pulis. So I'm, I'm not too surprised that you lost that one. But it's the weekend against Coventry. That's the big one. And I think that's a game that you have to win, really. Um, but no, I, I, I st- I'd still give Pulis time. I think that, um, it, as you say, none of the teams above you are, are running away completely. So I'd still have some sort mm-hmm. of faith that um, he could he could catch up and, and get you out of it. Um, he hasn't. He's never been relegated, has he? So you've got to, you've got to think that he's, <laughs> still, he's still the right man. But seven points off yesterday does look like a, a huge hill, considering you've only had nine points in uh, well nine points on the table and, and 15 points overall. It's, it's not like you're picking them up easily. So um, I think the next couple of games are crucial. I think that Coventry game is a must win because they're a team that you'd be looking at, at pulling back. So, so if they moved another three points ahead of you, I think that that you'd pretty much be able to say that Coventry were going to finish above you this year. And that's, and when, and that's up as a team. You don't really want to be talking about teams that in those positions being mm. being uncatchable. After just 20 games, yeah, I think it's a huge one. I think we'll be able to have a lot, uh, a lot more to say on on Pulis and Wednesday after the weekend because I think that's it's, it's quite season defining already. I'd say. Yeah, definitely, it is a must-win game. Uh, but I've been saying that for you know about three weeks now against all these sides we've played near the bottom half of the table. You know, the likes of Rotherham and Forest, uh, Wickham, etc. Um, and I've still unfortunately not got the confidence that we are going to beat Coventry um, and I know we'll come on to previews and predictions uh, later so I can discuss that then uh, but yeah moving into the topics Jake um, some fans have returned to stadiums recently usually with a maxi- maximum capacity of about 2,000 uh, I just wondered though with fans returning to the stadiums did he, do you see this as a good thing now and would you be comfortable returning to a stadium soon also? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Um, yeah, it's got to be seen as a good thing. Um, although so, some clubs are going to lose that right to have fans because uh, London's moved them back into a tier three, so they can't have fans. So that's it. Feels like two yep. steps forward and one step back at the moment, um, and I'm sure that that will be consistently changing over the next few months. But um, good to see fans back. You could definitely see the atmosphere. They've even already added even two thousand in some matches, and definitely had an impact on the players. You see it in the Premier League, but also in the Championship. The home teams are are playing at a slightly higher intensity, and um, good to see them back. And I, I feel happy going back. I think I think a lot of football clubs could probably have twenty. 10,000 plus in. I think they're ready for it. I think it's just the government that have, have been a little bit reluctant to agree to it and purely because of how it looks, um, mm. the visuals of it. But um, I think football's ready and I, I'd be more than happy to go along. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, once the New Year's passed um, or Christmas has passed, should I say, I'd, I'd be happy to return to stadiums as well. And I, I know there's certain capacities for certain stadiums but I think certainly in the Premier League and your bigger stadiums you know 2,000 people is not a lot and, and it could potentially be increased I know I'm saying this reluctantly because it's you know we, we don't want to continue the spread we know that there's a vaccine for Covid now but you know you, you're still putting people at risk so again as long as the procedures and measures are put in place and it's all adhered to which I've said previously on on this show then then I'm all for it um you know it can be only a good thing you know it's it's probably about I think it's 11 months since I've uh, been to Hillsborough now it's it seems it seems like forever I think it was January um roughly when I went last. So it seems strange going back to um, Hillsborough Stadium or, or any stadium for that matter, especially with a with a scarce crowd and, you know, in, in the situation that we're in now. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm obviously ready for normality and hopefully that will come sooner rather than later. Uh, but yeah, moving on to the next question, Jake, um, regarding championship teams. Do you feel like the gap between Premier League and championship sides are closer than ever or do you think it's peaked recently? Um, I think that the difference between the Premier League and the championship is growing on a year on year basis. Um, so yeah, you can see that this year you've got the three relegated teams at the top of the championship, um, mm. and and um, in in the Premier League you see West Brom and Fulham struggling. Um, Leeds are doing okay, but even after their quick start, even they're starting to be pulled back a little bit. So I think I think you can definitely see the difference. Um, Norwich are case in point really. They went up to the Premier League to get the money to come back down, and then viewed it as a longer term build knowing that they could come back into the championship and find it relatively easy um so yeah, it's definitely a, definitely growing and i think it's only going to continue growing while we in a, in a time of covid um i think bournemouth and norwich especially have been helped by their bigger squads with norwich still managing to pick up points with um with the injuries they've had so yeah it's, it's definitely growing and it, it's a shame but you can also see teams like reading who have spent a little bit more money that can, can try and power themselves out of the league um and mm. Swansea, a team that have recently been relegated but have really rebuilt they don't have many players that still played uh, that were around in the, the premier league years on jiu maybe being one of the few wayne routledge so yeah it's They've rebuilt and shown that it's possible to, to come down, completely rebuild and go back up. Although, again, they've probably been helped by the finances that they had from the, from the Premier League and the contacts that they've got at um, Premier League clubs with a lot of loanies coming in. So, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Um, and I think it's going to be a long time before we see a team like Barnsley or Luton or Millwall um, 
come up from from League One and then go back up to the Championship. I think that we saw it with Southampton before. Brighton did it quite quickly. Um, a few other teams as well, Bournemouth, um, when they came up, it was quite it was doable to go up through the league quite quickly. But I don't think that's that's the case anymore. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, you mentioned the three teams that have come down and they all sit down this first, second and third in this division now, which is Bournemouth, Norwich and Watford. And, and that kind of goes to prove that I think at the beginning of the season, we did say, are these three of the strongest sides that have, you know, come down from the Premier League? And I think it's um, difficult to kind of assess these teams that have come down and say that, you know, that they're not going to go straight back up or, or be up there at the end of the season because they are very strong sides. Uh, but then you also look at the teams that do go into the Premier League, like the likes of Leeds, um, Aston Villa have done it recently, also West Brom, etc. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a couple of teams like West Brom, isn't there, and, and Norwich even, that are yo-yo sides between the Premier League and the Championship. Um, you know, it's good to see... The championship improving and improving, um, but I think at the same time the Premier League gets stronger. Also, you know, you only have to look at the the, the top eight teams in the Premier League now, who were just worlds apart from the likes of, especially Sheffield United this season and, and West Brom, etc. Um, so, yeah, even even though the championship, I still believe, is one of the greatest divisions in the whole of the world. Um, you know, the, the gap between both divisions is still there to see it's just I think you know in the championship now you've also got your little mini divisions within the league as well um, you only have to look at that top six in the championship at the minute your Bournemouth Norwich Watford Swansea um, <laughs> you know it's question marks over Reading maybe still being there uh, and Brentford but they're certainly the, the best teams in this division and, and all worthy of, of, of being in the Premier League at some stage. It's just, uh, you've just got to have that bit, little bit of luck, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I could guarantee that, you know, the three relegated teams that came down, uh, potential for all three of them to, to certainly go up this season. And I'm sure two of them will go up via the automatic uh, route. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how that pans out. That takes us into thoughts and feelings, Jake. So if you just want to pick a side of your choice and uh, briefly discuss them for whatever reason at this moment in time. Yeah, so I thought I'd do Blackburn this week. Um, they're the, probably the team that intrigued me most in, in the Championship this year. The fact they're in 13 surprises me a little bit um, just because of the attacking players they've got and how good they are going forward. You only have to look at how many goals they scored. 32 goals, only Bournemouth have scored more and, and, and Bournemouth's figures have been increased recently with that 5-0 win over Huddersfield. So, I mean, prior to that, Blackburn were the leading scorers and they're not really anywhere near the playoffs or, or, or competing to go up. Um, I think at the, at, at the time of recording, they're seven points off the playoffs. So, yeah, they can make that back, but it's not ideal. Um they just need to to find a little bit more consistency. I think as much as we praise Adam Armstrong, um, it's, he is um, a, a player that takes on a lot of shots. And, and, and that Norwich game was case in point. I think it was um, that he didn't manage to score, but he had, I think he had eight or nine shots in the game. And, and sometimes his decision-making does need to improve a little bit if he is to, to attract those top Premier League clubs that he'll probably be hoping for. Um, they can, um, Blackburn can be a little bit one-dimensional and, and reliant on Armstrong to 
in the final third and looks to him when, when they are down and they need to maybe come up with a, a plan without him. Harvey Elliott's been a big plus. I think he's a player that at, at such a young age already looks too good for this level. He's, he's, he's scored an incredible goal at the weekend. Uh, yeah, he, he did, yeah. Improving. He just keeps improving. Um, and, and I think that they're a team seven points off the playoffs. They're a team that could get in there, but they just do need to fix that consistency. They had their three wins in a row recently, then they followed it up with a draw and two losses. Um, admittedly, they were against teams above them in the table, but still, they need to start, you know, putting in, finding the um, turning those losses into draws and draws into wins, like and, and things like, and and go on from there. I think Tony Mowbray is a, a, still a good manager for them, um, but yeah, it's. it's You'd have thought a few weeks ago after that, that winning run that they'd really push on and, and get into the playoffs, but they've fallen back and, and are below the likes of Cardiff and, and Luton. Uh, you know, two, mm-hmm. two teams that um, Cardiff we thought might challenge for the playoffs, but Luton we didn't think of, of that and the Blackburn to be below them. Uh, and even just one place above Millwall, a team that have only won five games all season. They just need to find a little bit more consistency. I, I, I still am confident they can challenge for the playoffs, but yeah, the the more results like yesterday that, that come around, you just think it, it might be another season of mid-table football. And then when we get to the summer, probably won't be able to keep Harvey Elliott for another year. He probably mm. Liverpool probably want him back or they'll probably want a, a Premier League loan for him. Then you've got Adam Armstrong. When he's scoring and producing the shot numbers he is, he, they're not going to be able to keep hold of him. So it feels like this is the year for Blackburn to go and challenge. And uh, I'm just slightly disappointed that they're, they are where they are in the table. Uh, seven wins from 18 games. Is, expect a lot more from them, especially when, when they've arguably got the, the league best player in, in their ranks. So, yeah. Um, just confident about their performances. Just, just, need to, just want them to find a little bit um, more consistency, especially in the, the, their game management and, and finding ways to score and, and win matches without relying on Armstrong so heavily. I think the next step is for Blackburn. But I'm sure Tony Mowbray will know this. And... Um, They'll be an interesting watch for the next of the month, uh, the rest of the month, because they definitely need to pick up a couple of wins and move back in the right direction again. Yeah, they're a really good championship side, aren't they? And been entertaining this last few years. And you know, they've surprised me a little. I think in many ways under Mowbray they've overachieved. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you in the fact that yeah, they've, they've got a couple of decent players that are really good in this division. In fact, we've mentioned Armstrong being probably one of the best players in this division now, even especially with you know the consistent goal scoring form that he finds himself on. You know, 14 goals so far this season is is great. You know, in in um, in 17 games, I believe. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think that the lack a little bit of quality across the whole of the park um, in terms of, you know, 1-11. to 11. They've got a couple of players that can certainly win games and, and beat anybody in this division. But yeah, two losses on the bounce now. It's, again, I think at the beginning of the season, I predicted that they'd finish about halfway and fall, you know, maybe... Six to twelve points shy of the playoffs, and and on that form that they're on at the minute, then then that's where they probably are going to finish. But at the same time, yeah, I think you know a couple of decent buys in January, and and you say I'm sure Moby knows what he, he needs to get the take Blackburn to that next step, uh, which would be finishing around six. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's he's on the prowl in January to to get these players in. But um, yeah, Blackburn 
other than that, are, are again, like I say, a really good side who, who can can beat anybody in this division. So they're always one to watch. Uh, but my thoughts and feelings, I think I'm going to go back to the team I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the episode, which is Swansea. Uh, just because statistically, if you look at them, um, they've only lost three games all season in 18 um, to play this evening as we record on the Wednesday uh, but not only that I wanted to mention that they've also got the best defensive record which I didn't realise actually till only about 10 days ago and they've conceded 10 goals in 18 games which is quite remarkable in a division like the championships where you know there can be hell of a lot of goals from you know, each week and, and week in, week out as they play on Saturday, Tuesday or Saturday, Wednesday, for example. Uh, so, again, you know, we keep singing his praises. Uh, they overachieved, I thought, last season getting into the playoffs. Uh, but Steve Cooper's just doing an unbelievable job there. I know he's got talent in his team. You know, the likes of Andre Ayo, we've discussed being a Premier League in the pe- player in the past and he's capable of winning a game on his own at times. Uh, but, you know, Jamal Lowe and Ryan Bennett, for example, uh, I'm a real big fan of Freddie Woodman in, in goal. And he's, you know, one of the reasons they have got one of the best defensive records. But again, I think, just wanted to mention him because I think we talk about dark horses a lot on this podcast. I really think they could be once again. And, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to go up in the automatics. I think there is, you know, a handful of teams that are stronger than them. Uh, but the league table doesn't lie. Yeah, so currently it's at fourth. And, yeah, for me, Swansea at this stage would be firm favourites to finish in the playoffs. And, you know, there's question marks whether they can go one step further and get to the playoff final and, and, and go up, you know, uh, and reach that level. But for me, they're really, you know, this last... 18 months to two years, steadying themselves as one of the best championship teams uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, Only lost one game in six. So I think you've just got to, yeah, so far congratulate Steve Cooper for the job he's done. And I think, you know, the second half of the season, if they can continue on the path that they find themselves, then um, they've probably got a a bright future ahead of them. Um, So, yeah, that's my thoughts on Swansea at the moment. Uh, But that takes us into previews and predictions, Jake. Uh, So we'll discuss um, the weekend's fixtures. First of all, Saturday, three o'clock. Two teams near the top or fighting to be closer to the top even is Brentford and Reading. How do you feel like this one will go? Yeah, this can be a a really interesting game. I thought I was surprised Brentford didn't win yesterday against Watford. Uh, I thought they would go there and win. But um, yeah, they, they... they're on quite a long unbeaten run, albeit they haven't won many of those matches. There's been a lot of draws in there, so that's really all the stuff yeah. in them from pushing up and, and challenging with those those three relegated teams. I think they've definitely got it in them, and, it, and they're slowly getting used to the style of play without Ben Rahm and Watkins. It's not as entertaining, but in Tony, they've got a player that scores so many goals at this level, and um, I think they're slowly getting there with a the supporting cast. So I think we're going to see Brentford push on over the coming weeks, and... Um, yeah, I'd probably say it starts this weekend. Um, Reading, Reading have been good this year. Um, a little bit inconsistent, but um, on the whole, they, they've been they've been good and they've been developing. Michael Elise is a very good player. That's probably not going to stay around for long if they don't go up. Um, they've got a lot mm. of other good attacking players as well. Um, I think the managers have done quite a good job in getting them up to the playoffs, and, and they'll really be believing they can secure themselves in those positions. So, yeah, it's going to be a big game for them going away to Brentford. But, um, um, yeah, I think Brentford win this. Um, I, I'll, I'll say 2-0 Brentford. I think it'll be 
uh, a good victory um, with a clean sheet. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Brentford win also. I think we always talk about quality prevails, or I talk about it. And I think, you know, Brentford, as we know, have, have got the, the talent across the starting 11, uh, probably more so than Reading, even though Reading found themselves themselves one point above them in the, in the table at a minute with a, with a game in hand. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 to Brentford on this occasion. I really think you've talked about that unbeaten record. I think Brentford continue to... Uh, climb the table year upon year, don't they? We've always they always seem to start slow, but then steady themselves. And I, I think you know it's an, another year that's going to be uh, full of the same, especially with the likes of Tony on the goal-scoring form that he finds himself in. Um, yeah, Brentford for me still one of the best teams in the division, and I I can't see them slipping up here. So two one to them. Uh, we've discussed this one already a little bit, but Sheffield Wednesday versus Coventry also Saturday three o'clock. What's your prediction for that one? Yeah, I think Coventry have been a little bit better recently. They haven't lost in, in quite a few games. Um, won three and drawn three of their last six. Um, against teams that have been down the bottom as well, they beat Rotherham, they beat Wickham, um, drew against Luton, uh, drew against Derby, drew against Norwich. So they've got some, beaten some good teams, beaten teams around them. They've got points against teams that you perhaps wouldn't have expected. So they've definitely been, seem to be improving under Mark Robbins, um, up in 18th as well. Whereas with Sheffield Wednesday, it's difficult to, to predict them to win um, based on their four, four losses in a row. As you're saying, there's a lot of problems, um, especially in attack for Pulis to solve. Um, the defence hasn't really been locked down in the way that you'd expect him to, to organise a defence. So, um, yeah. an intriguing game. Um, I'm going to tip Sheffield Wednesday purely because I think Pulis will get a win at some point. And, and Coventry, <laughs> they're, they're, they're a team that we expect to to be down in the relegation fight for a reason. Um, they've been unbeaten for a bit, but they're not good enough to, to maintain that unbeaten run for much longer, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, I think although you're coming up, uh, Wednesday coming up against a team that are unbeaten, maybe that's a good thing because um, might just shift the pressure a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think that I think Wednesday are going to get a win 1 0. I don't think it's going to be pretty, but I think they'll get a win and, and maybe start that. that that um, start their their race for survival and, and move up the league. So yeah, I think I'm going to tip a Wednesday win. Um, pretty foolish given their current form and and Coventry's. But yeah, football just does these sort of things. So I'll tip it. Yeah, I understand why you've said that. You know, I look at Wednesday. They've only won three games all season. I mean, that that's worrying. Uh, and I hope you're right. I hope it is 1-0 to Wednesday. You said that, you know, football at times comes up with these weird and wonderful results. And the last time Sheffield Wednesday did win, it was 1-0 and it was against Bournemouth, who were at the top of the table. So, you know, it can be done. Um, yeah, so, you know, Co- Coventry are certainly beatable. And if Wednesday are going to start, you know, on a on a path to survival, it, it really needs to start now. You know, you, you can't get many more fixtures against sides what have come up from this division that you know are, are winnable games so i think yeah um i hope you're right like I say one nil but i'm being optimistic also and i'm going to say one one um i really think that the concern for me is that we are conceding goals and we're struggling to score uh but at the same time being at home you mentioned Poulis has got to turn it around sometimes 
but I, I still, I'm still going to predict a 1-1 based on uh, Coventry doing uh, relatively well quite recently. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a draw. A similar kind of fixture also down at the bottom sees uh, Rotherham versus Derby. That's also Saturday, 3 o'clock. How do you see that one going? Yeah, this is a, another interesting game. I think Derby um, have been improving ever so slightly under Rooney. We, have, we don't know what they've done in the week they got swamped to, but I'm beaten in five, only one win, but you know you have to start building slowly. And, and, and if you as a Wednesday fan, if those four losses have been four draws, I think you'd be talking a little bit differently about your uh, survival hopes. So I think that Derby are probably thinking uh, a little bit more positively, even though they have only won two games all season. But yeah, nil nil against Stoke, nil nil against Brentford, one um, nil against Millwall. That's three clean sheets in a row now for Rooney. So. Although he, you know, yeah. England's all-time top goal scorer, Manchester United's all-time top goal scorer, as a, as a manager, he seems to be uh, able to organise a defence and keep things tight, which that's the first block for any manager, really. Um, and that's probably what Pulis is trying to do at Wednesday. But he really managed to do it. And, um, yeah, Rotherham won a, a pretty poor run themselves. They got a win over Bristol City yesterday, so that, that'll give them... Um, uh, at the weekend, sorry, so that'll give them some confidence and they've got Blackburn in the week. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to, to see how this one goes. I think I'm going to tip Derby and I'm going to tip a 1-0. Just, I, I can see really continuing with the, the good defence and I can see them nicking a goal from somewhere. But yeah, I think Derby um, are a little bit more optimistic about them now. And I don't think they'll go down. So yeah, I think that they'll, they'll win this game and move closer to, to the likes of Rotherham, QPR and, and, and Coventry. Yeah, same reasons for me, as you've mentioned there. Um, I look at the form table, I see Derby have unbeaten in five. Uh, Rother- even though Rotherham got that win, it makes this you know fixture very difficult to predict. But based on the, the statement you just said that I don't think Derby would go down, I'm with you there. I, I really think Derby will continue to climb that table slowly and surely and you know probably finish around 18th, 19th for the season. Uh, but yeah, games like this is, is ones where they're going to pick up points. So uh, I'm also going to go 1-0 uh, and agree with you on this uh, Derby away win. Uh, I'm sure we'll both be wrong. <laughs> Whether that's with a Derby win or loss, I'm not sure. But um, but I'll go 1-0 also. Uh, but unfortunately, Jake, uh, we've reached the end of the show. So if you'd like to let our listeners know where they can find you online, now would be a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening. You get me on Twitter at jjagman with two ends. I'm also on the Premier League show. I was on that this weekend, and you get that on Twitter at EPL Roundtable. Yeah, cheers for that, Jake. I've been your host at Louis Shackshaft on Twitter, uh, but more importantly, remember to follow the show at Championship Pod, where we upload and post each show to our pin tweet. Uh, we would like to take this opportunity to thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.